Dr. Alan Leica here, and I'd like to welcome you to How to Live a Fantastic Life Show, where we will be discussing the important aspects of your life. We hope to inspire you to live the best life you can. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the awesome world around you. Break through your barriers. Take inspired action. Use the difficulties in your life to achieve the best version of you. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a real special guest. Her name is Cassandra Lawson, and she's, she's a researcher for Mindfully, uh, a virtual mental health platform that uses technology to enhance human connectiveness and the delivery of mental health care. She is in the final year of a doctoral program in clinical psychology. Her doctoral dissertation focused on the protective effects of cryopsychotherapy on post-traumatic stress disease severity. Welcome, Cassandra. Well, thank you for having me, Dr. Leica. Thank you for being here. So there's a lot of stuff out there about PTSD, also known as post-traumatic stress disease. Mm -hmm. Can you tell people what this disorder is? A lot of people hear about it, but they don't really understand it. Of course. Uh, So post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD, um, as defined by the DSM, is exposure to actual or threatened death, um, serious injury or sexual violence. Um, it also has a lot of components that follow after the traumatic event. Um, there are symptoms, and those can include intrusive symptoms, such as intrusive thoughts, um, you know, avoidance symptoms, um, usually pertaining to the stressor or the traumatic event. You know, in common terms, we call those triggers. So people used to avoid those. Um, there's usually negative alterations in cognition or moods. So this could be you know, seriously low self-worth. You know, sometimes these things can be already there prior to the traumatic event, but then they worsen or significantly worsen after the traumatic event. You know, thoughts like I'm bad or the world is bad. Um, there's also alterations in arousal. So people with PTSD have they have um, heightened reactivity. So what this means is that they're very aware of their surroundings, um, almost to a point of, you know, if they hear a loud sound, they'll be very startled. That's just an example. But they're very heightened, uh, arousal, heightened awareness. Um, and usually for PTSD, these symptoms have to um, be there for over a month to be able to be diagnosed with PTSD. And they also cannot... Um, they cannot be better explained by something else, you know, such as substance use or some other physical illness or another mental health illness. Um, they, there's so many variety of such a variety of um, symptoms in PTSD. So PTSD is not a uniform disorder. It's something that can look very different from person to person. Um, and As I'm saying this, I also want to just kind of point out to your listeners, you know, confirmation bias is a thing. So if, you know, you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, I might have PTSD or I might know someone who has PTSD, uh, just be aware that just learning the symptoms that could be a part of it uh, doesn't mean you actually have PTSD, but it could be an indicator to go seek help, to go seek a therapist, to get a proper diagnosis. 
How is it that you became so interested in this disorder? Yeah, I, clinically speaking, when I most became interested in this disorder, I first became interested in this disorder when I was working at a mental health warm line. When I was working there, I was able to speak to just such a variety of people um, and listen to their struggles and be a part of their mental health journey. And I remember very, very starkly this one man who was a U.S. war veteran, and I was speaking to him, and it's been so long that I don't remember the fine details, but I do remember this crushing isolation he felt. He felt so alone in his circumstances, um, so hopeless. You know, the despair was, was palpable. It was something I almost felt like I could touch it, like I could reach it through the phone. And it really stuck with me, you know, this, this you know, agony almost he felt over his disorder. And it, it, in hindsight, it's apparent to me now that he probably had um, a comorbid depression with PTSD. But it made me really think, why? Why is this happening? Why is this man suffering so much? You know, how can we as a society let this continue? You know, why do we allow this to happen? Why do we allow people to suffer so much? And that question really stuck with stuck with me. And it really started me on my clinical journey, uh, my journey to get my clinical uh, psychology degree. You know, just to answer the question, you know, what can I do to help? Oh, that sounds pretty important. It sounded like you had a pretty important personal connection with that individual. Mm-hmm. And it, it certainly impacted you throughout your life to try and figure out more about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it really touched me. So has research evolved now in treating people like that individual? Have we come to some sort of consensus on things that will help people with post-traumatic stress disorder? That's a great question. Uh, So as I mentioned a little bit earlier, post-traumatic stress disorder is such a, there's just so much variety within the disorder itself. And it is so different person to person that there is really no size, no one size fits all for this this disorder. Um, But having said that, there's a variety of treatments for it. And there's practically every modality, which is basically a style of therapy, um, has a treatment for PTSD. So I would encourage your listeners um, that if you're going to treatment for PTSD and you're finding it's not working out or you're not meshing well with your therapist, it's okay to shop around. It's okay to find a different type of treatment because uh, there's every chance that it's just not the right modality or it's just not the right style um, at the right time. Yeah, I think that's important. It was interesting. I uh, interviewed one person in the military who was helping people with post-traumatic stress mm-hmm. disorders and her role was, first of all, she was employed by the military. So her role was first to help the military Mm -hmm. and secondly, to help the individuals. So it's important to realize the person giving the, the, the treatment isn't necessarily the person that's going to help with the treatment as well. Mm, you know, I think that's a really good point. And it's absolutely the right of the client or the patient to know who they're working with and to know um, who that person's um, higher ups are and kind of what they're getting from therapy. Yeah, because the obligations, if you are a person uh, 
struggling from post-traumatic stress disorder and you are still employed in the military, uh, the military's first onus is to help the military Mm -hmm. and help to get you back into the role you were before, which means to be a a soldier fighting uh, and in the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's it's unfortunately true um, that there are those conflicts of interest, I guess I would say. Uh, but it's my hope that going forward, people will recognize, especially people in the military will recognize that uh, mental health is a cornerstone of health. And focusing on that will help, you know, not only have retention in the military, but also just help people when they get out of the military um, live full lives. So what are the cornerstones of treating post-traumatic stress disorder? Mm-hmm. PTSD, uh, whatever modalities used or style is used in treatment, there's usually a few things that are the same across the board. And the first is taking the time to really make the person feel comfortable to make sure that they have coping skills in place Um, that they're in the right headspace to be able to do this work and that they feel safe to do this work. That's extremely important. And then the next stage is the narrative of it. And it's going through the traumatic experience with a licensed professional or a person who is under the supervision of a licensed professional um, who can help the person integrate this experience because PTSD um, trauma, it's very disorganizing. It's something that um, it's not easily categorized by the brain sometimes. So it helps to have a licensed professional or someone who's supervised by a licensed professional be able to guide you through that. And then the last stage is kind of looking through safety um, and making sure that this person's going to be as safe as they can be once treatment ends. So when a psychologist or a psychiatrist takes a person through a post-traumatic event, does this sometimes make the trauma worse? That is a very good question. And I think it comes from, or what I'm thinking it comes from is this idea that if you repeat the trauma or you just say it again and again, it can be re-traumatizing. And that's true. It can be re-traumatizing if you just repeat the trauma or force someone to repeat the trauma um, without those safety measures in place that I talked about, which is that first stage of treatment, which is making sure they have coping skills and they're in a safe space, really building up to doing this work. So if it's done correctly, then no, it wouldn't be re-traumatizing because you'd be substituting the traumatic experience with something that is non-traumatic or at least giving it a different um, way to be categorized in the brain. That's a very good answer, and I I thank you for that. Uh, Are there emerging technology improving uh, technologies that are improving the treatment for PTSD? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are emerging technologies. Um, They're enabling more personalized interventions um, and experiences for people who are, um, you know, living with PTSD. So their treatment can be more personalized. Uh, This is through uh, machine learning technology and big data, uh, which are enabling better understandings of how a specific individual um, can be predicted to respond to therapy or medication. Um, So I'm involved in this as a researcher for Mindfully, which is spelled M-I-N-D-F-U-L-I. 
and as you mentioned before, it's a virtual mental health platform. And it's designed uh, to leverage big data through machine learning algorithms uh, that can deliver a more personalized therapeutic experience uh, with better treatment outcomes. That's interesting. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Because that sounds pretty vague to me. <laughs> yes, it's basically, it is essentially gaining a bunch of data and sifting through it to be able to see which parts of this treatment mesh well with this person, which parts of this person mesh well with this therapist and kind of sifting through all of that to create a personalized experience. And this is done through uh, machine learning, learning algorithms and big data. So it's basically just gathering all the data possible we can about this person, about the treatments available, about the therapists we have at Mindfully, and then sifting that to create a personalized experience for this person so that they can have a treatment path um, that works well for them and a therapist that meshes well with them and also just a better understanding of how their own quirks and their own personality will affect treatment. That sounds interesting as well. Uh, so with all this, I mean, we've just gone through two years of a very bad pandemic mm -hmm. in which it was difficult for people to meet face to face and, and to get healthcare that way. Has the pandemic changed some treatments for PTSD? I would say absolutely. Um, because we've been forced for a long time, at least these past two years to do virtual therapy or telehealth therapy. Um, that being said, there's a variety of um, experiences with me virtual mental health from, you know, it didn't work out to this is great. And it really comes down to the quality of care provided, you know, what you're able to uh, do for this client in this specific circumstances, you know, based on what their needs are, um, what works best for them, you know, whether it's by phone or Zoom or another uh, virtual video uh, platform, whatever they need to be able to uh, succeed. And at Mindfully, at the very least, uh, one of the ways to really get that quality of care is to put emphasis on the therapeutic alliance or the working alliance. And I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but that's this idea that we really try and match therapists with clients or counselors with clients to make sure that they have uh, the strong foundation, you know, this relationship that they can really build on um, with trust and care for, for um, you know, the quality that we're trying to provide at Mindfully. Where is the treatment going in the future for PTSD? That is a great question. I think... There's so much emerging research with PTSD. Um, there's anything from aromatherapy that's being researched in, or looked into um, to more research done with service animals, um, you know, with art therapy. There's just so many avenues available for PTSD. Um, one of the most interesting to me is uh, the technology that's used to monitor the brain activity and, you know, imaging activity. Um, technology, stuff like that. And 
using that to kind of figure out what the patterns are for PTSD and how we can track that and how we can um, better use that to help people who have PTSD. Um, but that's in its infancy, I would say. Uh, I am by no means an expert on that technology, but I would be very interested to learn more about that when um, more research comes out. It sounds like we are, are doing a lot of things already, but it mm-hmm. sounds we're also deficient in some areas. Is that your feeling as well? Mm. Yeah, I would say... I don't know if deficient's the right word, but I would say that since there are so many different avenues, there are definitely pathways that are a little bit more accepted, I would say, a little bit more used than others. So in that sense, I would say that there's not enough research done in some of these areas to really say whether or not they are efficient (laughs) therapies or um, treatment paths to follow. For instance, I don't believe, um, this is just based on my own research into this, that there's not a lot about psychodynamic therapies working with PTSD um, versus CBT, which is cognitive behavior therapies, which there's a lot more of. Uh, so it's less to say that one's better than the other and more to say that there just hasn't been enough done with uh, psychodynamic therapies, I think, versus CBT. Are there some areas a person that has PTSD shouldn't stay away from? That's a good question as well. I think that it, again, varies from person to person. There's, uh, trauma is a very personal experience. It's very, it's a very individual experience as well. And what triggers one person might not trigger another. And so this is going to be a case by case basis. It's going to be, you know, figuring out what works well for you, you know, to keep yourself safe, um, your family and friends, understanding what works well to keep you uh, safe, and understanding what doesn't, you know, understanding what is something that's triggering, understanding what's something that is maybe better to avoid for now, you know, until you go to therapy. Uh, so I would say again that it's a very individual uh, experience. From what I've read and heard, I think it's probably a bad idea for a person with PTSD to use drugs or alcohol, at least in any great extent, because that could exacerbate their symptoms. I've read that too. I think that the research that's coming to my mind is actually one of the myths that are um, pretty prevalent with PTSD, which is that uh, people with PTSD are violent. This is a myth. It's not factual. Uh, Research has shown again and again that it's not true. Uh, But what does exacerbate the data uh, to show that they might be more violent or people with PTSD might be more violent is if they are using substances. So it's something to keep in mind uh, that it's something called self-medication, right? You know, taking, um, you know, drinking alcohol, taking drugs, it's something that helps calm the symptoms, but there's always a cost, um, or at least there could be a cost for that as well. In terms of the research that I'm thinking of in this moment, it's the fact that it could exacerbate violence, um, which is something that you know should be avoided. It's probably a good idea then to for a person 
that is involved with a that is in a healing community or in some treatment that they should always discuss what they're using with their therapist. I would agree. Um, I will say since I'm a student therapist, I'm completely biased at this opinion, but I do think it's very important to be as open as you can with your therapist. Um, it's really important in this work, especially with trauma work, to have that trust, to have that uh, capability to tell your therapist, hey, I'm using this right now. It helps me sleep or, hey, I don't feel ready to continue this work right now. I don't feel up to it, you know, because if the client's not communicating that, the therapist might not catch it and that could cause um, difficulties in the treatment. So it is very important to be as open as you can with your therapist. Um, but having said that, I do know that that's hard to do. You know, it's hard to do uh, for a lot of people, for a lot of reasons. And in that sense, I do want to say that Treatment for PTSD, um, once it's started, it's good to continue, but a good therapist will know to follow your pace. They will know to make sure that you know, you're ready for, to move forward in the treatment or if they have to slow down, um, they will be monitoring that as well. That's important. Well, Cassandra, this show is called The How to Live a Fantastic Life Show. So you as a therapist, you as a student, how do you recommend a person with PTSD have a fantastic life in view of the fact they're suffering from this disorder? Yeah, I would say that self-compassion is probably the most important thing. And this disorder is so difficult to live with. Um, it's something that can impact the entire life. And it's important to have that self-compassion, to have that care for yourself, to know that you know, you're worthy of love, you're worthy of the care, you're worthy of a good life. And just to know, to have that for yourself, to say sometimes, you know, that I am worthy of this. I am worthy of all the good things life can hold. Um, because one of the things about PTSD is your brain's kind of telling you the opposite, that you're not worthy of it or that life is bad. And I encourage you to challenge that, to challenge it and say, what if I am good? You know, what if life isn't so bad? You know, that, that, that is the important thing. I think a person living with this disease must realize that the disease is going to be there for a long time. I'm not going to say it's going to be there forever, mm -hmm. but it's going to be there for a long time. So it's important to gate yourself, give yourself some grace, mm -hmm. give yourself that possibility and, and don't uh, beat yourself over the head with it. Mm -hmm. Remember, this is something that you're afflicted with, just like a person has a broken leg or a broken arm and it takes time to heal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's good. I think we're on the same page there as well. <laughs> Okay. Is there a way that people can find out more about PTSD? Sure. There are plenty of resources out there for PTSD. Um, there are also ways to look for, or, well, how should I say this? 
There are ways to go, um, even just a quick Google search, to learn more about the myths and misconceptions of PTSD, to learn um, you know, more about this disorder, more about how you understand this disorder, and in learning more about it and learning more about the facts of it versus the fiction, uh, you can have more compassion for people living with PTSD. Um, and in having more compassion for people with PTSD, you're creating a safer world for them, you know, a world where they can heal better. For sure. And how can they find out more about Mindfully? Sure. So Mindfully, uh, you can visit Mindfully directly at mindfully.com. But Mindfully also has a Facebook page, so facebook.com slash mindfully. Or Instagram, so instagram.com slash mindfully, And they also have a LinkedIn, uh, linkedin.com slash company slash mindfully app. Well, thank you for Cassandra for being here today. And thank you for being such a great resource on this most difficult topic. Thank you very much for having me on. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being there as well. And uh, we hope to talk to you soon. Bye for now. You've been listening to How to Live a Fantastic Life. Be sure and pick up a copy of Dr. Laika's book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, on Amazon.com. And you'll want to subscribe right here on this page so you don't miss a single episode. Have a fantastic day. Fantastic.